the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Dr. David Anderson, senior pastor and founder of Bridgeway Community Church in Columbia, Maryland. And I am so glad that you are tuned in now to our new special Saturday edition of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. You're going to hear conversations from recent talks where I've connected with radio listeners just like you to help them build bridges of reconciliation, race, religion, relationships. Are you ready? Let's get started. got a special guest I'm going to tell you about in just a moment, and we're going to talk about some church stuff. So this will be interesting to have the conversation. But before we do, let me welcome all of you in the D.C., Maryland, uh, Virginia area. We cover all of the DMV, including parts of West Virginia and Pennsylvania as well. The most listened to Christian talk station on the East Coast, second in the entire country. Shout out to all of y'all listening to WAVA 105.1. FM right here in Arlington, Virginia. Of course, to my Facebook crew, thanks a lot. I'm waving at you, uh, as well as those uh, watching on YouTube. So today is Wisdom Wednesday, and we're going to talk today about the coming revolution in the church. Guess what it is? Economics. That's right. In fact, uh, the author of the book is with me, who I'm going to introduce in a second, The Coming Revolution in Church Economics. And here's a subtitle, Why Tithes and Offerings Are No Longer Enough, and what you can do about it. So for those of you who are pastors, leaders, theologians, as well as just everyday followers of Christ, if you want your church to succeed and sustain into the future, you may want to make sure to tune in to how economics and church work work together. But first, we're going to do what we always do, give you the phone number, bow for a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Here's my number, 888 432 7434. That's 888-432-7434. Or if you're driving across a bridge, maybe there from uh, Virginia, uh, all you got to do is remember the word bridge. 888-43-BRIDGE. Come on, let's say a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity you give us uh, to have conversation that helps us to build bridges in so many areas. And Lord, when it comes to the church and finances, we need your help. So we commit today's show over to you now. In the name of Jesus, we pray together. Everyone said amen and amen. So the Reverend Dr. Mark DeMaz is with me today. He's the founding pastor of Mosaic Church of Central uh, Arkansas. He's also the co-founder of the Mosaics Global Network. Mark's the author of seven books and also an adjunct professor at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary and Wheaton College. His latest book, he's written seven of them, but his latest one is The Coming Revolution in Church Economics, Why Tithes and Offerings Are No Longer Enough, and What You Can Do About It. Uh, Also, what's most important to know is that uh, Pastor Mark DeMaz is a friend of mine, and he's my brother when it comes to multi-ethnic ministry. So, uh, Pastor Mark, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Uh, Great, Dr. Anderson. So glad to be with you. And you know, that's so funny. Great minds think alike, because I was literally going to say the same thing. The most important thing is I'm a good friend of Dr. Anderson, (laughs) and uh, just love your heart and and appreciate 
the opportunity to be with you talking about such an important topic that really is a bridge building work that you wouldn't think, and most people wouldn't tie economics to bridge building, but we're going to, it totally is related to the church, particularly in urban centers and declining tithes and offerings and how yeah. we can build bridges to all people, not just some people. Well, this is so important. We talked yesterday on the air on Tough Topic Tuesday about the decline of Christianity and the rise of people who are not affiliating themselves with religion or church. And I'm sure in some ways uh, with millennials uh, not going to church as much and church uh, attendance declining, unless you're in a mega church type thing, um, you know, the, the numbers are going to decline as well so far as offerings. But here you write a whole book on how the church has to look at economics differently. Tell me why you wrote this book and what is its main uh, point throughout all its chapters, Pastor Mark? Yeah, well, the the primary reason in, in my heart for this book really has to do, and again, it goes back to bridge building, is the most difficult highest violent crime, urban areas, uh, areas of uh, at or below poverty, like the community we're in as a church, 30% at or below poverty. The denominations, networks, church planters typically do not um, plant churches, grow. They don't see a way to sustain ministry through local church in the most difficult areas of our cities. Mm. And therefore, church planting, growth, and development typically takes place in the middle class or more affluent uh, areas of a community, right. which means that, that the, the, those people in the most tough, the toughest areas are, in a sense, left behind. Mm-hmm. And my, my colleague Harry, who's a co-author of the book, he talks about it like a fishnet, the old illustration of the Bible, where you cast out, you know, throw out your fish net and catch the fish. Well, if you think about a city as a pond, and we throw out this net, and we want to we want to uh, explain the gospel in a credible way. We want to love people, advance the common good, etc. We throw out this big net, uh, trying to uh, be credible in terms of our, our, our ministry for Christ. Right. There's holes in the net. Mm-hmm. There's holes in the net. And and yes, there might be large numbers of fish in certain areas of our city coming to Christ, coming into the church. Everything will be fine. But there's holes in the net, and the, these these fish if you will, these people are swimming through these holes. We want to mend that net. We want to mm. repair that net, and we're going to see a lot more churches in the most difficult spaces of our of our communities, uh, highest need in terms of, of crime, prostitution, sex trafficking, all those areas, that's where we need the light of Christ to shine through the church. The problem is the American church, denomination mm. networks, don't know how to fund it. Mm-hmm. They don't know how that can be sustainable. So the primary reason that we wrote the book is to help uh, denominations that works pastors understand what it takes to to create sustainable work in these communities to advance the common good and the gospel but yeah. beyond that dr anderson the other reason is because every church in america not just churches like ours in the urban center but there is coming there is a time already and it's it's only it's coming in the future where uh, potentially counties are going to tax your property. The federal government may take away tax income status for the local church. Mm. As you just mentioned from your talk, uh, your conversation yesterday, declining tithes and offerings, uh, disenfranchisement with the church, all of this is affecting every local church budget, not just budgets like ours in the urban center. Mm-hmm. And so for those two reasons, we have to understand and move away from traditional funding models and to open up new doors and possibilities, the time to pivot is now. Dr. Anderson would love for you to join his Facebook page and subscribe to his YouTube channel. Just search Dr. David Anderson on Facebook and click like 
or Anderson Speaks on YouTube and subscribe. They're a great way for you to connect with and follow Dr. Anderson. Plus, you can watch Dr. Anderson's radio program live or search past episodes. You can also connect with Dr. Anderson and his sponsors at andersonspeaks.com. Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson on Facebook, YouTube, and andersonspeaks.com. Check him out today. Now, today we're talking about uh, church economics, and specifically, uh, the Reverend Mark DeMaz wrote a book called The Coming Revolution in Church Economics. You see me holding it up uh, right here on Facebook. And here's a subtitle. I like this. Why Tithes and Offerings Are No Longer Enough and What You Can Do About It. Uh, Whether you... uh, agree with that or not, whether you even like it or not, like you might be thinking, but the tithes and offerings of the church should be able to sustain what God's work is. Yeah, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but what happens when it doesn't? You have uh, 70% of your uh, funds coming in from tithes and offerings and 30%, you got a hole right now. How are you going to help us fill that hole? Well, that's why Mark DeMaz wrote this book. Mark, can you help us understand how do we fill that gap if, let's say, two-thirds of our income comes from tithes and offerings, but we still have a 30% uh, deficit? What are you doing in this book to help us? Yeah, the easiest way, really, and simplest way to say this is what is church economics, Dr. Anderson? Mm-hmm. Church economics is, is answering this question— how do we leverage the assets of a church, which are people, money, and buildings, mm-hmm. to bless the community, that is to advance the common good, advance the gospel, do all the things that we want to do as a church, but at the same time generating some measure of sustainable income? So mm-hmm. leverage church assets, bless the community, generate sustainable income, that's church economics. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you do that in the, in, in the quick soundbite, if you will? What the church has to do, and pastors, ministry leaders, is move away from a one-dimensional game to playing a three-dimensional game, okay? Mm-hmm. And and how that is is like an American football team, right? So you got the mm-hmm. Redskins right there and the D.C. and the Capitol. Yep. Think about an American football team. It's actually a team of teams, right? So right. you have offense, defense, and special teams. Right. Those are actually three separate teams on one team. Yeah, with separate and coaches, the right? Teams Exactly. They have separate coaches. They, they don't even play. They're so different. The games they play, offense, defense, special teams, are so different that not only do they have their own, they have their own head coaches, if you will, we call them coordinators, but th- those players are never on the field at the same time. Right. Okay, and, and here's the deal. You can have a great offense, as you well know, but if your defense can't stop the run, you don't win the game. Right. Your field goal kicker hits the upright, snap goes awry, three seconds left, you lose. All three teams have to be functioning at a very high level, right. minimizing mistakes over the course of 60 minutes to win, let's say, the Super Bowl. Right. The American church, in terms of its funding, plays a one-dimensional game. It's a spiritual game. And we, we, we share the gospel. We provide children's programs. We do weddings. We'll visit you when you're sick. We provide these goods and services, if you will. Right. And the way it's funded is through tithes and offerings. Let's put that... Let's call that, whether you want to call it offense, defense, it's the first of three legs. Okay. But we also need a separate nonprofit um, that can uh, advance our social justice and our compassionate work. By establishing a nonprofit, your second leg, let's call it a defense, if you will, mm-hmm. alongside your offense, that opens up the opportunity for local, state, and federal grants. That uh, Other churches will send you money. Other send, churches will send you people and resources to support the nonprofit work 
differently than you couldn't get local, state, and federal grants as a church, but you can get them as a nonprofit. Uh-huh. So by moving your justice and compassion work out from the church budget under a nonprofit budget, it opens up multiple streams of income. And the third mm-hmm. leg, then, is the financial leg. So a spiritual leg, a social leg, but the financial leg is generating for-profit income by renting your facilities, monetizing existing services, or outright starting new businesses. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, the idea is that we have to create multiple streams of income. Fifty years ago, in, in American households, the majority of American households were supported. They, they lived a middle-class life in America and supported by one paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, so one paycheck came into the home, and everybody lived a middle-class life. About 75 80% of homes in 1960, that's the way it was. Um, 50 years later today, only 20-something percent of homes are funded by one income stream. Mm-hmm. Most households have two or more income streams. And the American church and pastors have to understand this. The tithe and offering, if you will, think about it as a single paycheck. Mm. in the 21st century. But just like for most homes in America, one paycheck doesn't help us to live a middle-class life. We need two Mm. or three. That's why you have a gig economy, and the church has to gig as well. Mm. So yes to tithes and offerings, yes to generosity, but we're also going to have to learn to leverage our assets to generate sustainable income. Now, we talk about leveraging your assets. Should a church be involved in investments and stocks and things of that sort? Do you have an opinion on that, uh, Pastor Mark? Well, my my opinion is, number one, talk to a good lawyer and talk to a good tax account (laughs) before you do anything. Don't just listen to Mark DeMaz and read this book. That's my first thing I'd say. Uh Uh, And I would say, number two, that very well could be involved. Um, But there's a host of opportunity that we have to to figure this out and to free our minds, if you will, rooted in strong theology, by the way, Dr. Anderson. Let me just be really clear. Yes, there's sociological things uh, uh, bringing this to the forefront of the Church. But this is strongly rooted in good theology, as we address in the second chapter of the book. So it could be investment. It could be it could be that. It could be taking parts of your building that are sitting there empty mm-hmm. and, and renting them, starting a new business in it. It could be renting your parking lot. It's, it, it, it could be, again, monetizing a service. Like, virtually every church in America serves free coffee. But, like in our case, that costs us $3,000 a year. Well, mm-hmm. I'm like, why are we? Why is three thousand dollars a year walking out my front door? I could sell Jimmy Dean sausage biscuits that I could buy for ninety-five cents at Sam's Club. I can sell them for two bucks on a Sunday morning. They cost three fifty across the street at McDonald's. My people get a cheaper biscuit. I sell three thousand over fifty-two Sundays in a year. I now I've got three thousand dollars more of ties and offerings that can go to direct right. ministry, like youth scholarships for camp in the summer or what have you, just by applying smart economics. And by the way. Not only talking to lawyers and accountants, but pastors don't need to be the people leading this third leg of the charge. The uh-huh. coordinator, if you will, the coach, needs to be entrepreneur business leaders who understand this. You cannot think about business, as you well know, Dr. Anderson, you can't think about that from a ministry perspective. Right. Anytime a pastor uses the word ministry in the context of of funding, it basically means a financial loss. You've got to have <laughs> right. business people. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have business people engaged uh, as partners in this venture and let them tell you as pastor how this works, like a good special teams guy or a defense might tell the head coach, here's how we need to play this. And if you get trusted people on your team, right. then, of course, you can win the game. 
Hi, I'm Andrew Altman, founder of Best Buy Waterproofing. I hate to see people wait to replace the roof. I'm working on a roof right now where the wood underneath the shingles and the ceiling in the kitchen needs replacing because of roof leaks. Don't let this happen. Get a free estimate before the storms arrive. You deserve the best. Call Best Buy Waterproofing and Roofing. Best Buy We've got uh, Mark DeMoz. He's the author of the book, uh, The Coming Revolution in Church Economics, and also he's written several other books. In fact, uh, Pastor Mark, you wrote the book a couple of years ago, Disruption, Repurposing the Church to Redeem the Community. And in that book, you devoted a chapter to disrupting economics. What are some of the factors in the disruption of economics when it comes to church? Well, again, we talked about that, and, and, and I appreciate bringing that book up, um, because that book basically laid out the, the three-legged stool model, which mm-hmm. we talked about earlier segment here, about churches creating, if you will, an offense, a defense, special teams, three teams on one team, yeah. whereby they can open up multiple streams of income. Uh, you know, so on the, on the church side, ties and offerings, on the nonprofit side, grants and donations, on the, uh, the business side, the financial side for-profit prof, uh, for ROI mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, the, and creating those multiple streams of income. So disruption really introduced that whole concept. And as you mentioned, one chapter devoted to economics. This book, of course, takes that one chapter on economics and makes an entire book and goes into the sociology, the seven directives of how to do that. And then what we talk, touched on at the very end of your uh, the last segment was the theology of it. You, yeah. you brought up a, a question that I asked, hey, well, should the church be engaged in business at all? I mean, we shouldn't be, right? Jesus overturned the money changers, so we can't be involved in, in business in right. the church. Well, the the fact is, as we explain in the second chapter of this book, theologically, there is every reason for the church to be intentional about this. We're intentional on our worship, our discipleship, our evangelism. We better be intentional in terms of our funding, and there's mm. nothing wrong and everything right biblically about that. Let me give you a couple quick uh, thoughts on this. One, it's a matter of stewardship. So in the parable of the good steward, uh, you know, well done, good and faithful steward, if you'll recall, and I know you will if your listeners will recall, uh, who, who is called well done, who has said well done and good faithful servant, right? So what that is, is it's you gave me five, right, talent, right, or right. it was money, so let's say you gave me five dollars, here's your five dollars back, and I made you five. Right. Here's your two dollars, you gave me two, here's your two, I made you two. The, the story says, he, well done good and faithful steward. One right. guy sat on his asset. One guy <laughs> buried that asset. Right. And that's the one who's called wicked, lazy slave. The mm. American church right now is sitting on billions of dollars of assets, mm. unused assets. They, it's churches that own land that are just, it's just sitting there. Mm. It's a church of 65 people with a two and a half million dollar endowment in the bank. Nobody's getting saved. The community's not being touched. But by golly, those 65 people are proud of the fact they have a $2.5 million endowment. Mm. There is billions of dollars of unused assets in the American church. It's buried, and I think we would be called wicked, lazy slaves. So good. it's a matter of good stewardship. Wow. It's also a matter of honest faith, because, for instance, somebody say, well, the church should just preach the gospel and trust God and and, and, and right. you, you just preach the gospel, Pastor, and trust God to, for, to provide for your money. Well, the fact is, think about it, individuals don't even live like that. Christian mm-hmm. individuals, we don't live like that. So when somebody asks me that, I say, well, let me ask you a question. Uh, if, if you are the one pushing back in that way, I might say, well, Dr. Anderson, let me ask you a question. Um, have you ever gone to a doctor? Have you ever mm-hmm. taken prescription drugs? Where's your faith? 
Right, right, right. right. I, I said, hey, Dr. Anderson, do you have a job? Do you get up every day and you go to work and you earn a paycheck by working hard and being faithful and loyal to your company? Do you, or why don't you just sit home and pray and read your Bible all day right. and trust God that money will magically show up in your mailbox? Mm. Like, in other words, have you ever signed a car loan? Where's your faith? Have you ever signed a, co-signed a loan for your kid to go to college? Where's your faith? Right? Individual Christians don't even live like that. Uh, but so do we expect why the church to? erroneously expect the collective church to live like that? It, the fact is, it's both faith and intentionality, as it is with everything else in life, and we need to apply that to church economics and funding. Excellent. Well, I'm with the author of the book, The Coming Revolution in Church Economics. This is Pastor Mark DeMaz. He wrote this book because he really wants to help churches move beyond just tithes and offerings and to look into other ways of bringing in multiple streams of income. Would you mind taking a second just to talk a little bit about uh, your desire for multi-ethnic ministry and what you've done at Mosaic Church there in Arkansas? Yeah, you bet. Well, of course, David, you know this, uh, Dr. Anderson, but uh, I am, uh, you were what I call a forerunner in this. That's even before pioneers, and and now we're in the early adopter stage of this movement. But uh, Mm. your heart and your ministry there at Bridgeway uh, was way ahead of the game on this. But Mm, yeah, the the bottom line is this. Uh, In the late 1990s, I began to ask myself the question, you know, if the kingdom of heaven is not segregated, why on earth is the church? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was raised a Jesuit Catholic, of course, taught the the Our Father, right? Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth mm-hmm. as it is in heaven. And mm-hmm. so by 1997, I'm beginning to ask myself this question, after 18 years as a youth pastor in ministry, you know, if the kingdom of heaven is not segregated, and Christ taught us that essentially what's going on and intended up there ought to be going on and intended down here— Mm. And 93% of churches in America at the time were segregated by race, class, and culture. What's the problem? And Mm. what would it take to create a church that reflects its community, and more importantly, the kingdom of God uh, on earth as it is in heaven? So in 2001, I set out like you did in in 1994, I think it was, or 95, somewhere Mm -hmm. in there. Uh, the same vision of uh, we're, to create a church for all people, not just some people. Right in Little Rock, Arkansas, where blacks, whites, Asian, Hispanics, rich, poor, Democrats, and Republicans. Of course, at that time, we really weren't thinking politics. It didn't. It wasn't the divide, or it mm-hmm. certainly has become such a division today. But you know, I've got as you do in your church, strong Democrats, strong mm-hmm. Republicans, and 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 people of all persuasions who have found a way and will themselves to walk, work, worship God together as one. Uh, in a local church, in order to advance a credible witness of God's love for all people, not just some people, in an increasingly diverse and painfully polarized society. So mm. Mosaics is uh, Mosaic Church here in uh, Little Rock, the Urban Center. We're just about two and a half miles or so from Little Rock Central High School, uh, second mm. stop in the American Civil Rights Movement. Uh, I'm going to say roughly 28 different denom- uh, mm. different nationalities, internationals in our church. Right. Uh, Little Rock is is an American South, uh, is in the American South, and doesn't have the the general diversity of of other larger cities in the right. country. But about 28 different uh, nationalities uh, in our church. Uh, no more than any, no more than 50 percent of any one group yeah. makes up a majority of our church. So it's a very integrated church, uh, engaged, as, as you know, not just in terms of multi-ethnic, economically diverse work, but through our right. nonprofit, Vine and Village, social justice and compassionate work in our community, uh, and as well as we're talking about today, uh, creating and generating sustainable income, which, when you leverage the church's assets, buildings and people and, and, and its money to, to start new businesses or monetize existing services or to uh, be a benevolent owner through facility rental, 
what we've also done and learned to do is we're creating jobs in the community, helping to reduce crime. 19% reduction, by the way, of crime hmm. in our community in a three-mile square radius of the church since we've been there. How about um, that? That's this great. is all due to economic development. So job creation, tax uh, revenue creation, uh, reduction in, in, in crime, repurpose of abandoned property. This is the evangelism of the 21st century, in my opinion. In the 20th century, it was explanation. Explanation alone was enough to win the hearts and minds of people. So you brought mm. Billy Graham to your city in the 20th century. He clearly explained the gospel. People got saved. Right. You shared the four spiritual laws on a beach in Myrtle, uh, on a beach in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, right. with strangers, they, and they got saved. You you gave someone evidence that demands a verdict, or more than a carpenter by Josh McDowell. They read it. They got saved. In the 21st century, explanation alone is not enough to to break through the hearts and minds of those without Jesus today. Hmm. What is needed in the 21st century is demonstration, hmm. demonstration of the gospel, which healthy multi-ethnic ministry does. It demonstrates God's heart is for all people, not just for some. Hmm. Salvation, the local church, the coming kingdom of God is for all people, not just some. Do you think uh, that that has a connection? Crime, et cetera. Yeah. Do you think that has a connection with millennials as well, the whole idea of demonstration over explanation? Hundred percent. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Because again, words in the 21st century are cheap. They're often fake, as we talk about fake news, and 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 they're spun, if you will. And mm. and so, yeah, words are just words without the words. And you know, this is biblical. That's what's so crazy to me that people don't get this association. But Matthew five sixteen, Jesus didn't say, "Let them hear your good words." He said, let mm. them see your good works. Right, And right. then this is what will glorify your Father. The word glory or glorify in that context is like in the dark, you, you shine a flashlight on who God is and how big He loves. You've been listening to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson, Weekend Edition, a ministry of Bridgeway Community Church. We would love to have you join us at Bridgeway in our Performing Arts Theater in Columbia, Maryland for one of our three identical Sunday services at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and noon. Or join us online at www.bridgeway.cc. Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson airs live weekdays on this station and is ready to take your calls. Tune in at 3 p.m. weekdays on WAVA 105.1 FM. We hope to see you tomorrow at church.